Bada bing, bada boom, Walford's in the room. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hello again. Welcome to the Walford Way. I hope you like the little intro. I got it from a wrestler. I obviously, I remixed it a little bit, but yeah. Are you talking about the butter whatever? I don't even know his name anymore, but he, he used to be annoying as hell. I used to. <laughs> Anytime he came on the TV screen, I had to mute the TV and go do something else. That's hilarious. Okay, um, so this is episode two. Dus. I was going to say that, you know, you're in my mind. I'm Canadian, so I can speak French. No, I can't. I'm horrible. That was Spanish, you, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah, I failed miserably. <laughs> Failed miserably. Oh, God. But, yeah. Um, thank you for the feedback from last week's episode. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, especially all the comments about, you know, my husband's voice. I'm watching y'all. <laughs> no I'm comment. Joking. No Actually, comment. I'm not joking. I'm, yeah, I am. Um, but, yeah. So, that was good. And today, we are going to talk about a brand new topic. Every day we're going to talk about a brand new topic anyway. Yeah, baby, that's um, how podcasts work. I'm going to headbutt him later on. <laughs> so, our first thing is... Baby, no, I can't read. I just handed him the paper to read, and this is the result. I don't have my glasses on. Okay, babe, question of the day. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, are cartoons getting better or worse? That's a that's a good question, because now I'm like, yes, they are. But then I had to like think hard about it for a second and remember what I am watching these days. I'm not watching any cartoons. Does anime count? No. Then, they're, yes, they're getting worse. Yes. <laughs> okay, because um, as parents especially, um, <laughs> you know, our son watches cartoons, duh. And one day... He was watching something, Pac-Man, on Netflix. He was watching that today? And, well, not this is, This didn't happen today, though, but oh. um, you made the comment about um, Pac-Man having legs. <laughs> oh, and I'm just like, okay, who thought this was a good idea? So if you don't know, on Netflix, there's a Pac-Man cartoon, um, and it's like... Pac-Man is the last of his kind, and he's the only one who can save the world, Pacopolis, from the ghost thingies that show up from time to time. So it's like Kirby. I guess if I knew anything about Kirby, other than he's a big pink ball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, the evil guy, his name is Betrayus. Yeah, that's really his name, Betrayus. Wow. I wonder and... what he does. <laughs> Just... So out there. And he just lives in this cave with the ghosts. And from time to time, oh, we got to get Pac-Man. And he sends out the ghosts and Pac-Man eats them. And it's a rinse and repeat. And I'm just like, who thought this was okay? Now, now, to be fair, I mean, like, we had our fair share of shows where they're like, you know, um, you had the villain for that one episode and he sends his goons out and whoever saves the day. And like after the after that, you'd rinse and repeat the same process. I can't come up with a show off the top of my head this very second because it's been years. Power Rangers. 
Yeah, Power Rangers is a perfect example, but that w- that's not really a cartoon per se. I wouldn't say Power Rangers is a cartoon. Yeah, and that okay. Um, hmm. I, I mean, Looney Tunes is a fine example of like Tweety and Sylvester. Tweety okay. always chilling in his cage and not bothering anybody, and Sylvester wants to eat him every episode. I get that, and that's why I'm kind of conflicted with my answer. Is it better or the same? <laughs> But I think... I just think the originality of cartoons is gone. Yeah. I think overall they're worse. Like, generally speaking, they're worse. Because things like... Okay. um, Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network is garbage now. I don't even know what's on it. Garbage. There was this big controversy about this one that was there with the guy working in, like, a, a sex phone line. I can't remember which cartoon. Oh, that you're was. talking like Adult Swim, though. No, is that I don't even know anymore. The uh, and then um the other one like when it's when the cartoon ends and you're seeing the credits, the images flickering were like demonic symbols and and pentagrams and whatever whatever. Okay, even beyond that, let's look at you know the little kid cartoons like Paw Patrol and um. The, Peppa Pig is my favorite. I'm going to just put that out there. Peppa Pig is a gem. And I find predominantly the UK cartoons are good. Um, I don't see anything wrong with Paw Patrol. But I just think it's... it's I don't know if it's corny is the word I want to use. or I think they're too sarcastic sometimes for, for something geared towards children. And, and that's one of my big issues with a lot of these cartoons. They're for kids, but they're using adult way of speaking you know how children cartoons used to sound like children talking different from adults talking now they all just sound like little adults i don't like that i find that they're very rude in some ways i get the rude part but they are a little bit more uh sophisticated than what we were watching when yeah, we were younger. because okay safe to say things like dora and even Sesame Street, which is again not a cartoon but a kid show, kind of is more adulty now than it used to be. There used to be a distinction when the adults are talking to kids and the kids have kid problems, they sound like children. But now, for example, you'd hear them saying things like, um, you, they have a problem, and they're like, Well, of course, I did da 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 da. What do you think I am? Whatever, whatever. Like, that kind of way of talking, that rudeness and that attitude. I don't think we had a lot of that growing up but in you, horror shows. But do you think it's a generation thing where it's like you're starting to see patterns of younger kids having those kind of conversations and, for lack of a better word, copying an attitude, per se? But isn't it like they're getting it from the shows, too? It's kind of like a, a cycle because... The shows put it in there. The kids behave like that. Then the kids, then the people who make the shows feel like, okay, this is kids, how they behave today. And then they put the content in more shows and the cycle continues. I mean, children learn to talk from the people around them. And I know that most adults with kids are like, who, where do you get that from? And who are you talking to like that? Because we're not the ones talking to them like that. So I don't know what the source is, but I just think that, I don't know. I don't like it. Well, even back then, like, I can say, at least for myself, um, my dad and my mom were really strict on what shows I was allowed to watch. And especially, like, when 8 o'clock hits, 
the only thing I was allowed to watch at eight was Dragon Ball, and then I had to go to my bed or go mm. do something else, right? Because I knew, I knew that South Park and all these other more mature cartoon shows was out, mm-hmm. you know. So my dad would never let me sit down and watch those kinds of things. So I mean, in regard to like, it's still kind of the same thing where it's up to the parents to make sure their children are watching the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, that responsibility will always continue because when our son gets older and he has his kids of his own, I feel like it's going to be the same process again. Um, there's going to be shows out there that's a little over the top or may not be um, appropriate for that age group. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell your child, look, you can't be watching this until we feel that you know, you're, at, you're at a good age to understand what is being presented to you mm-hmm. without it like plaguing or poisoning their brain. Yeah. In the process, you know what I mean? Because I mean, I remember I got brave one night and I decided to watch Spawn. <laughs> I didn't go to sleep for a week, <laughs> and I said, and I just, you know, I just stuck to the cartoons I was allowed to watch and didn't go beyond that. Yeah. So that's just one example. Yeah, because and then while you were saying that too, like I'm thinking to myself, a lot of the cartoons we used to watch didn't re- they weren't really centered on children per se. Like, coming to the top of my head, Thundercats, um, G-Force. I don't know if you used to watch G-Force in Canada. Guys, we have to do this another time, but I don't know what happened to Canada, but y'all, TV shows sucked. Anyway. Listen, you know what, though? Who would be a perfect guest for that? <laughs> I need to bring Nelly on this. Because I'm sure he would, he would know all the cartoons you're talking about. Yeah, because every time I bring up a cartoon for him like the other day was brave star he's like what the hell is brave star and i wanted to cry inside because i'm like how could you not grow up watching brave star but anyway you have to understand i grew up playing video games not watching tv but you didn't have them though like i don't think you had them here in canada how was we had to have i can't imagine me not having the ability to get access to these shows but that's a conversation yeah we're gonna find out but yeah so again brave star is another example so brave star thundercats um g-force um, Silverhawk, um, Transformers, you name it. Like, the center characters most times weren't actually children. Um, they were adults or aliens or, you know, anthropomorphism, animal people thing, um, bestowing knowledge and values onto children. But now it's children teaching children in these cartoons but the children are behaving like adults, and I think that's what bothers me. Yeah, we yeah. grew up. We grew up with a lot of um, mature content in general because, it, like, you were naming some of the shows you would watch. We had GI Joes, uh, Gargoyles. Yeah, and, Gargoyles. You know, things of yeah. that. And Gargoyles was a pretty dark series for what it was yeah. worth. And um, even Min- Ninja Turtles. And yeah, stuff Ninja like Turtles that. and stuff yeah. like you had. We had we had the ability to watch these kinds of shows. But when we did watch these shows, our parents reinforced that it is a TV show. This is not how you shouldn't take on these personal traits and add them to yourself. I feel like parenting has gotten weirder in a weirder place in Mm -hmm. today's day and age. Mm -hmm. Because when our parents were kids... Their parents were more strict than anything else in the world, right? And they weren't really watching. And a lot they of didn't cartoons. have stuff like that. Yeah. So with our our generation being the millennials and whatnot, we have, we're exposed to so much now, especially with the rise of the internet and where it's been for the past few years. Mm-hmm. 
it's easier for us to fall victim to these things. And it's doubly important that we as young parents or just parents in general in today's landscape, we make the effort to, to be involved and making sure our children are watching the, and playing the right things and doing the right thing. Because I'm telling you, you give them too much freedom, then it's going to be too late. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I would say or answers unanimously, they're definitely getting worse. Um, but at the same time, considering the needs of this generation can can kind of see why right i'm and yeah and i mean like we still have our crown like our jewels like mm-hmm. the the magic school bus rides again and like you said peppa pig um i don't really see paw patrol teaching anything too much but i mean outside of like working together mm-hmm. and camaraderie between your fellow people you know your friends and whatnot you yeah. have you have small nuances here and there that that can really influence and teach your child something new and something fresh something motivating and something positive Mm -hmm. but you got to be wary of that internet because there's things out there (laughs) (laughs) all right cool well that's our question of the day were the shows worse yes or no yes yes (laughs) okay so stay tuned for today's main topic which is I don't know how to explain it. What is it again? Dealing with heartbreak? Someone help me. Yes. Oh, there you go. I I drew a blank. You just keep putting me on the spot, and I keep drawing a blank. It's the teacher in me. I like to call on people to do things. So, yeah, overcoming heartbreak. Stay tuned. Thanks for breathing on the mic, babe. I'm sorry, my nose. You know it does that. All right. I'm I'm like a hundred percent of the day stuffy, no matter what I do, and I'm absolutely healthy. I'm not even sick. It's just asthma, I guess. And I'm, winter. I give it to the winter thing. Yeah, anytime it's cold, that's it. I'm always like this. I hate winter. I don't mind it. But anyway, welcome to segment two. We're having a good old time here, aren't we? Yeah. Main main topic is a bit not so good, but also good because we learn from negative things, and right? Hopefully we impart what we did in a more positive manner onto you if you're dealing with those things. Because it's it's not an easy an easy task. So okay. um overcoming heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh this one's a little bit of a interesting one for myself, considering I have my fair share mm-hmm. of a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, a lot of them stuck with me. Pers- like, you know, I've had a few major, major heartbreaks in life. And in the beginning, you know, it's hard to, to pick yourself up and say, you know, you're going to you're gonna move on and you're going to deal with this. And you're going to do this in a more positive manner for for lack of a better term here. Yeah. But um I found that you know, with especially with before I met you and I was going through my own stuff, um friends, honestly, my friends saved me from a lot of dark places and and doing the things that you that you truly love to do that makes you happy genuinely like Nothing can ruin your day type deal. Um, 
Okay, but before you get to that, how about we talk about maybe the worst heartbreak you ever experienced? <laughs> and of course, not in too much detail. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to dive in in deep details yeah. and stuff because people do listen. But um, I mean, it just didn't work out. It was a lot of on and off, and you know, it got to a point where the on and off was too um toxic and whatnot the last go around and you know when when this last opportunity came and my significant other at the time decided that you know they're going to put an end to it for my sake more so than hers it was what it was and at first i i hate I hate personally. I just want to get this out there for any guy that can feel this with me right now. I hate it when you say I'm doing this more for you and not for me. <laughs> <laughs> that that will always never make sense to me. But anyways, um, and yeah, and being as you know, you're on a if for anyone who's in a relationship that's very on and off, and you know it works for a few months to a year, and then you're back off again for another month and then you're back together again i'm telling you guys it's not worth sticking around unless you have kids but even then it's a slippery slope you you really mental health is very important and i found that my mental health was at a very very poor state i didn't know how to function i didn't know how to go about my day without having this black cloud raining down on me all the time and you know one day I started a podcast with a group of friends and then I found myself a new job and you know I was doing things I would normally never do in a in a in a in a bad situation like that and the more and more I felt like oh man I'm gaining some traction here my podcast is getting views now my gaming stuff is getting views um I'm seeing my friends more I'm having more time to just do me and stop worrying about anyone else because now I have the time to worry about me. Because in a relationship, it's a two-way street. You you can never solely just work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because now you got to work on each other. And when one side is failing to do that part, then you start taking it all onto yourself to try and salvage whatever damage is being done. Mm-hmm. And you're pretty much in crash control mode. And you're not really thinking about the damages that it's causing to your own mental health. And yeah, for me to overcome it, it was it was hard because there were days where I'd be home alone and I'm just like, this sucks. How did this end up happening to me? And then there'd be days where it's just like, man, you know, this weekend was amazing. You know, I really felt like, you know, things were really going good for me. And um the, just never give up. There's always somebody there. You know, there's always that person there. Giving up is the worst thing you can do because then you know that's the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're upset and you're in pain, take that pain and let it let it drive you to get something better. Just take whatever someone has done to you in a negative way and look and look at it and say now you know what you don't want in a person now mm-hmm. you know what you don't want to see in another person so when you when that next person comes around you know that person's good for you and that's pretty much what happened to me <laughs> i took all my past experiences with other people and i said you know what now i know what i want 
Okay, so as a guy, because um, women are always broken up four months before we are broken up with you. We're broken up with you the day of. <laughs> well, you broke up with us four months down the road. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I want to ask this question because I know a lot of women out there might want to know. Uh, now we have a question of the um, day again. No, babe. Come on. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But yeah. Um, what classifies for you as getting your heart broken? Because especially nowadays, people within our age group, I want to say if you're at least 25 and over, um, typically speaking, because, um, you know, we also have the the Gen X, Gen Z, whatever the hell. I don't kids. even know what you're talking about, bro. The other kids. The kids, right? Not our children, but the ones a little bit behind us who are like okay. teenagers and whatever now. Okay. Um, I feel like they have a whole different view on relationships. And I think our age group still has that kind of old school vibe of men being tough and men not getting attached. And a heartbreak for a man is really, you know... It just didn't work out the way you wanted. And on to the next one, like you brush, you feel bad for like two days and then you're back on your feet again. There's countless memes out there about it, right? You, you see the guy, um, the first day of the breakup, the girl is bawling her eyes out and he's having a drink. Day two, the girl is still bawling her eyes out and he's all with friends and heartbreak over. So I want to know, what was your experience like? Like the minute you knew the relationship was done... What classified as a heartbreak, if that makes sense? It's kind of hard to explain the exact moment that I knew it was all coming to an end. But, I mean, to your point to where, you know, where men are supposed to be tough guys, they don't get attached to really anybody or anything, and if, should they, and it all comes crashing down, they kind of can move on. I'm not that guy. At least I can say that confidently, that, you know, I'm more... Um, giving in in most of the instances of my relationships that I've been in I'm always willing to give 150% but it can get weird when you start seeing 150 is not enough mm-hmm. then you go for 200 so what makes it not enough like why was it not enough um you can see the the arguments over just about nothing um hard to have a conversation with someone without realizing or without noticing that you're walking on eggshells and you don't want to hit certain land bombs and stuff like that that may trigger you know your relationship on its last legs and then when it's finally over and it's said and done and it's just like all this effort you put in all of this emotion and time and money too like all those things count sacrifices that you had to make in order to make that relationship work it's over and I think that's more heartbreaking knowing that you put so much into some on a human being to find out they don't want it. And they pretty much just want to give it back. But the but the, what they fail to realize is you can never give that back because we wouldn't want it to begin with. You mm-hmm. took a part of us with you. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if getting it back is the one thing we really want because then is it really who we are? Is it, is it ours? Or was it yours? Mm. You know, those are the kind of decisions that you need to make in a situation like that. Because I know in my past relationships, when, you know, you sit there and you think about it and you say, what do what did I what did I get from this? Do I want 
that certain emotion back that that person took from me. Mm-hmm. And every time I come down the cro- that crossroad, I say no. Because that was something that needed to be cut out of my life. Out, out, out of my own personal being of, of emotion and mental state. Because had that carried on, those are the things that some people will just take advantage of. Mm-hmm. If you can't part with that emotion that they're running away with, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you I'm the champion of emotions and I know how to control it perfectly. I just telling you for through ex- countless experiences that, you know, I've always given 150% and I've always been let down in the end. Or maybe I was the disappointment. I'm not innocent of everything here. Mm-hmm. Just saying that you have to, just through experiences and in all of the dark times, I can confidently say I have a better understanding and a better grip of how I feel in certain situations and I know how to deal with issues like these a lot better as opposed to back then. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, a lot of what you said echoes with my experience as well, which is one of the reasons our relationship works because... We, I mean, we spoke about this through great length. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, we. What he meant by that is before we we got together, like before we decided we were gonna get married yeah, or whatever. We, yeah. we talked about this stuff before. What I also meant was we're very similar in our approach to relationships. No, everybody's different. There are givers. There are takers. There are people that can do both. There are people that do both, but one more than the other. And I would say for myself, I am also a giver. So the aspect of giving 150%, um, not feeling that it's valued, I can attest to that as a big moment of heartbreak. Because for me, what happened was my worst heartbreak was the end of a five-year relationship. Five years is a long time. Five years... For some people, that's five relationships. Um, And that's not to be judgmental. That's just to be factual. And for me, in those five years, it was the same thing. A lot of on and off. Mostly getting to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. Being convinced to take more. And going back to that decision over and over again. And realizing that really, no matter what you do, this isn't going to change. And you are putting in too much of yourself for nothing. Yeah. And that's that was a moment for me that I knew that was it. That was the heartbreak. Because, you know, like you said, time, money, everything. As women, we tend to feel like, okay, I won't say it generally, but we cannot deny that generalizations exist. So I'll try not to say it too much, but just bear with me. Um, and I know most of you can agree. Generally, once the relationship is beginning, the onus tends to be on the man. Take her out, buy her this, buy her that. When you're together, it flips to the onus being on the woman to keep the relationship alive. I can kind of attest and agree to that. Honestly, yeah. I, th- I feel like that's that's true. Yeah, and it's it's unfair, and it's not always the case, but it's just a generalization I have seen mostly portrayed in in pop culture and whatever right so the guy goes through all these lengths for me it was not like that it was quite the opposite in the sense that i 
knew what I wanted and I wanted that person and I made it happen and then after that it was still on me no you might be saying well what if he didn't want you you push yourself on him no I put myself out there I got a positive response and I went with it right but again in the relationship it's always you know spice up your your relationship and 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 buy lingerie and cook him this and you know and have creative date night ideas and you do all that to no end because you have to realize and it seems like a cliche but a person won't change if they don't want to change you cannot change a person that does not want to change that's absolutely true and that is the source of heartbreak for 99% of relationships out there. Even you listening, it might you might hear this reflecting yourself. Like, yeah, you keep telling yourself, you know what, maybe it's maturity. Maybe it's a situation, you know what, right now we're, we're in school and school is stressful. So after school, things will get better. No. <laughs> right now, we, we just started out. We don't have a lot of money. Maybe when money comes in, we'll be better. No. It's not going to change. And one of the big ways to overcome that pain after the relationship ends is acknowledging it was not your fault. Not that you're blameless. There's a difference. You can't 100% blame the other person because a relationship was a two-way street. two-way street. But you are not at fault and you cannot blame yourself if the person didn't want it to work with you. You know what? Now that you say that, there's been a few relationships that I've seen with certain friends and family and stuff like that. And I continuously wonder why they put themselves through the ringer. And it's always, you know, well, Jamal, you have that perfect person in your life and blah, 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 blah. And, and, And you know what? I keep telling them, you know what? My marriage is not without its own trials and without its own problems. But it's about finding the person that you're willing to... You know, you know that saying I keep telling to you, babe, pick what hill you want to die on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't have to die on every hill. But when I'm with you and I stand next to you and we, we, we stress together, shit, you've seen me cry with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just keep telling everybody with you, I can I can fight and die on every single hill. And that's the kind of person you need to be with mm-hmm. that, you know, confidently in your heart of hearts. Every single hill that you are going to die on is going to be next to the person that you love. Yeah. And you know that she will look at you smiling. He or she looks at you smiling. Do it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, if you... Perfect is is relative for everybody. But you know when you've reached a point where it doesn't make sense anymore. You know. Instinctively, you know. It's built in us to know as human beings, that's how we survive in the wild. You have a part of you that is instinctive and it tells you when you're in danger. Danger is not necessarily physical, it's also emotional. Yeah, for sure. And that heartbreak is is necessary, right? It's how you mature as a human being. It's, and it's how, how you, you evolve. learn, exactly. Yeah. So overcoming it is partially accepting that, first of all that you were not 100% to blame unless you killed the person well that was your person's <laughs> dead right don't no <laughs> it's a little extreme <laughs> um, you know why because that Netflix show you is in my head that show is foolishness oh god that's I a talk that for show. another day but um yeah like if 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 you accept that it wasn't your fault that's the first part I can't tell you how many times I've cried blaming myself, asking myself, why the hell did you do this? Why the hell did you do that? You should never have said this. You know he would respond this way. Blah, blah, blah. No. Don't beat yourself up. 
accept it is what it is, take what you learned and move the hell on. You know what? That's the biggest thing why at least I can personally say our marriage works because I don't have to sit there and say, why the hell did I open my big mouth? That's the big thing. When you start walking on eggshells, you know things are going downhill. If you cannot confidently look at your significant other and tell them exactly what you're feeling, it's not going to work. It might, you might avoid it for a month or two, maybe even a few years, but you keep bottling all that up. And when it comes out, negative impact. Yeah. It, it, maybe, maybe it never comes out and that, and that relationship ends. Now you're just harboring things that, what if I said yeah, this? Yeah, what if I said this? What if I said, exactly. And that's the other part of it. You can't take those things with you. Like like Jamal said before, whatever you gave to that person, whatever you had meant to give to them and didn't give them, leave it with the relationship. It's gone. It's not yours anymore. It's not yours. You can't take it back and you can't bring it with you. That's where we get baggage. That's why your next relationship, the per- the first time the person calls you an idiot, it triggers something that happened last time and you totally flip out and maybe the person didn't even mean it as deeply as you- you're taking it. And another, and on that note too about new relationships, don't jump into one. No, figure yourself out. Exactly. I will attest, I've done that before. There was a time when I was younger when I felt like I can't be without a boyfriend, I'm sorry. And as soon as... One of my first real relationships ended. I jumped into another one. That relationship lasted two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Because I I was not ready. And I yeah, I was a teenager. And I wasn't sexually active either. But emotionally, I wasn't ready to give someone else this side of me again. To go through that again. And I realized that after I caused a heartbreak on that guy because I broke up with him. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. So don't use other people emotionally to deal with your emotions. Having friends and sharing with friends is different than, you know, attaching yourself to someone else to, to, to fill a void. We need voids. That's pretty much what I did. <laughs> I, I mean, in the early stages of my breakup, I really went to my friends because, like I said in the last episode, my friend this tight circle that I have is literally a group of brothers that through the fire forged our friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, and these guys I trust with my life. They were all at my wedding. There's things I I can tell them and, and, and they will confidently give me their honest opinions. I know that it's coming from a good place. Yeah. And likewise for me, um, the few friends I had, such good friends we talk about these things and i offload and don't feel guilty about offloading if you have real friends they'll be there for you they'll understand and then when their time comes you'll be there for them don't hang out with people that will be like oh i don't want your i don't want to burn i want to be burdened with that right now that's not a friend no it's not Right, And if you're going to overcome a heartbreak, you need a support system. A support system that's a human being and yeah. not a bottle and not a pill and not food, but a person. Yeah, because you know what? That's that's the one thing I can truly say about, and I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but my friends can literally call me at any given time, any time. And if they're in a, in a very bad space and they're distraught, I'll immediately tend to them. I will never leave any of my friends astray by them. I don't want any of my friends to feel like they're in a, they're alone 
and they have no place to go, no one to talk to, no way to get out. Because the second they feel like that, not only do I fail as a friend, but then I failed as a person mm-hmm. to be there for someone in their dire need. And you don't want to be that. You don't want to be in that position. Yeah, and, and sometimes all you need them to do is listen. They don't have to offer advice. They don't have to have all the answers. But just to be there, to give you a hug, to to listen to you cry and make your ugly crying face and all that stuff, you know, just have a support system. And the last thing I'll say, which is really one of the biggest keys maybe of overcoming it, is remembering the good parts. Now, a lot of people feel like they can't do that. And for me, even in the heartbreak I described, there were good times. There were good things. You were with the person for a reason, right? And if you can hold on to the positives, having accepted that it's not your fault, having a support system to help you with the grieving process, don't ignore the grieving process. Don't bypass it. Own it. Cry if you need to. Break some shit if you need to. Don't break anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing dangerous. I, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being annoying. Just, just throw stones in the water or something. Because if you broke my Xbox, we, we're gonna fight. No, don't break the other person's things. Break your own things. Oh, okay. Go to the dollar store, buy some plates, and break them. <laughs> but right. um, as long as that's where we're going, you know, like do what you have to do to get through the grieving process, and then make a decision. I'm gonna focus on the positives. I'm not going to hold on to the bitterness because here's why that is bad. Here's why that doesn't help you with heartbreak. It, it perpetuates it. Think of it this way. If you associate a relationship with bad memories, with negativity, what happens to you? The next time you date someone... It's going to carry over. You're looking for that. Yeah. And your brain makes associations every day. That's how you learn. <clears throat> Your brain is elastic. Your brain changes over time. And if you keep these negative thoughts in your head, every time you lie next to the person, you're going to remember the negative conversations. You're going to remember the sadness you felt. You'll never get over it. Never. And it was one of the hardest things for me to do. Someone who made you cry, someone who you feel ruined your entire life, to think about that time you, you went to the movies and you laughed and got kicked out. Or that time you went for a walk and the person told you they, they like your smile or it's hard to do because it's going to make you miss that mm. but it's good for you because then you're deciding you know what I'll be okay I'll find that again and that's what relationships were about for me all along so I'll get over this bump in my life and I'll meet someone else that will give me what I want that will give me these things and more and like Jamal said, it, it teaches you what you don't want. You you can hold to the positives and say, yeah, I want this again, but I don't want, you know, someone who's going to snap at me whenever I give my opinion on something. Yeah. Or I don't want someone who always wants to order out and we end up wasting money because we never cook. Those seem like little things, but they have broken people's relationships before. So overall... Again, teacher me likes to summarize the lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Overall, accept that it's not your fault. Leave the baggage behind. Don't try to take it with you. Go through the grieving process. And at the end of it... And, oh, have a good support system. And at the end of it, hold on to the positives. 
Yeah, because I know, I, like I said, it's hard, man. It's really, really hard, especially for guys who are ultra sensitive like me. You know, we t- we wear our heart on our sleeve, and we don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring. And we just stress about every single moment of our life, you know, when we feel like we're all alone. And women do that too. I I would I used to think even more than men, but having met you and having met other people, other men like minded as yourself, it makes me realize that a lot of the things that we ascribe to one gender or the other is really just the human condition. It's just really. human. It's just yeah. humanity, man. Because you know what? The the best thing I like I said, the best thing I did for myself was get my friends involved, um, have someone to talk to, my best friend Don. He was always there. Always, always, always. Him and Nelly and my younger brother, Andre, from the start to the finish line. Dealt with all my bull crap. Like you said, leaving that baggage behind. For me, it was holding on t- too tight. And realizing it, all it do it all it's doing to me is hurting me. Mm-hmm. So it's different for everybody, but for me it was. I just see my old Facebook account with all these memories <laughs> and all these people I don't talk to, and I've dated, I've been with, whatever. I removed the account entirely and created a new one, and I said I'm gonna restart, pushing the restart button, and I'm gonna create new memories, new happy life, you know. And now I have a new happy wife. <laughs> So, <laughs> it all worked out for me. It'll work out for you. For sure. Well, yeah. Um, so, that's pretty much it um, for me on, on this. And um, if anybody out there, you feel like it's the end of your life. You feel like you'll never love again. Trust me. I, I said those exact words to my yep. friends. Yep. I said, screw it. I'm not getting married. I'm not going to settle down. I'll just... I'll just be me, and whatever happens, happens. I've said that many times, and here I am. And I'm not saying I'm the poster child for relationships. Nope. Um, I'm definitely not. <laughs> and, and that we're perfect. Even our marriage, we're not perfect. We're not, you know, Dick and Jane. Just but we're willing to work through it. But we work through it. And yeah. that's why we can talk about these things, because we've experienced them, and we've made steps to to work on them. And we're sharing them with you. And what better way to achieve goals than with your significant other? Really and truly. And that was the Walford way. We'll see you soon.